0: Welcome to episode number 212. You are listening to the Pioneering Today podcast with me, your host, Melissa K. Norris. And this is where we're all about living homegrown and handmade, modern homesteading to raise, preserve, and cook your own organic food, no matter where you live. And I am so thrilled to have you with us here today on the Pioneering Today podcast. And in today's episode, we are going to be diving in on how to embrace this upcoming season. So depending on the time that you're listening to this, but as we transition into both the holiday season, which can sometimes add a little bit of craziness and stress, as well as those colder, Winter days where we have less daylight and typically are spending less time outside in the garden, that we're still tending to livestock if you have them on the homestead. But we're entering into those darker days of winter. And this is such an apt subject for getting through those days and also making it a time to embrace and using it with seasonal living. And we're going to be talking about ways that you can cozy up indoors and be very intentional about your time for it to be a time to be of restfulness and restoration to your soul and your body and so I am thrilled to talk about this subject with today's guest and specifically we're going to be talking about hygge which is a Danish custom that they use in their winters there but how it really does apply to homesteaders And to us here in America or wherever you may be listening to this from. I know we have listeners from all over, which is really exciting, but this is applicable to anyone. And talking with me and diving into this subject today is Kathy Lepsiewicz. Kathy is a blogger and teacher who lives in Northwest Montana, and she embraces a simple and seasonal life in which she works and is often found either making a mess in the garden or in the kitchen. And so welcome, Kathy, from Homespun Seasonal Living. Welcome back to the Pioneering Today podcast, Kathy. I'm so excited to have you here on today's
1: episode. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be.
0: Yeah. So we are talking about a subject that I think is so naturally, I think it's what a lot of homesteaders do and people when we're Living by the seasons, we're growing our food and preserving. I think we naturally do this anyways, but I'm really intrigued to dive into this topic and kind of dissect it and learn how to practice it more intentionally as we move into the winter months and not just the winter months, really, but to take some of these aspects and try to apply them all year round, because I think that in this society, that that could really be used. And you guys, total disclosure, before we started recording, I had to ask Kathy how to pronounce this correctly. So if you've mispronounced it before, you are so not alone or wondered when you saw the term, because it's almost becoming kind of trending and starting to be popular, this terminology. But Kathy, I'm going to probably say it wrong again, even though she told me how to say it correctly. But the practice of "hooga That's it.! OK, got it. Sorry for screaming in your ear, you guys. <laughs> but I'm quite excited. So lay it out for us, for those who are like me and have maybe seen a little bit, or maybe you've never even heard the term before. What exactly does that mean?
1: So it's a Danish word uh, that doesn't translate like into a single English word, but it's essentially the art of cozy living. And it's what the Danes do in the winter because of course they live in the far North. And so it's dark a lot and it's obviously cold and snowy for months on end. And so it's this idea of cozying up at home But not necessarily becoming a hermit because it's also very much about connecting to family and loved ones. But it is really about just getting really cozy and embracing the winter season in and of itself. These days, a lot of us are taking that idea of cozy living into all seasons, of course. I think that's kind of an American thing, but that's just fine. Let's do it. Let's live cozy all year round, I think, where it's comfortable and we're at home and we're embracing kind of the simple life. I think anyone who's Practice voluntary simplicity or maybe not necessarily minimalism, but certainly simple living will recognize the concepts of huga, if not the actual word itself.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And I, like, I would, naturally, as we move into especially the fall and the winter, I find myself craving that. And like you said, not becoming necessarily a hermit, but definitely staying more in the house because obviously the weather living here in the Pacific Northwest, we don't necessarily get. The snow, we do get some, but it's definitely gloomy and rainy a lot and cold outside. So I really am intrigued. I love that their culture actually has this thing that they do and that they embrace as a culture. So are there kind of some specific things that they follow or that they go through, or do you just kind of customize it to yourself? Or let's uh, get into kind of the practical part of it.
1: So, of course, it's going to vary family to family. It's not a set guidelines, but certain things are. are Universal, I guess. And some, one of that is light in the home. So whether it's candles or, and they really do talk about expensive, good lamps. So, you know, I mean, you can buy a cheap lamp, but the light isn't always the best. So the idea is that we have light well placed in our homes so that it's not like fluorescent, like you've just walked into a giant grocery store blaring light but soft light throughout the house because obviously it's dark in the winter and so we want to have light and it can for sure be candlelight but we want it to be well placed throughout our home so that we can read or we can practice in crafts and we can talk with our friends and family so that we have nice light that's welcoming without like scaring us because it's so bright you know we want to have well place light. That's a big thing. And, and then it is a lot about connecting with friends and family and having people over to your house and sharing in good food. And it is about good homemade food. And it is to some extent also about comfort food, which of course we all love, right? But oh, yeah. mean that it can't be healthy comfort food. You know, eat the chowder, but eat the homemade bread and, you know, make it cozy for whatever that means for you. Cozy food, obviously varies based on a lot of things, right? I'm half Italian, so it almost always means pasta. <laughs> <So>. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, so or, you know, and soup, so cozy food. But it also means do indulge in the croissants or the muffins or the coffee cakes or whatever else, but do indulge in those things. But they balance it out by making sure they get outside. So even in the depths of winter, they get outside, whether that's for snowshoeing or cross-country skiing, or if you live somewhere where it's not snowy, putting on the raincoat and just getting outside and enjoying nature as nature presents itself so whatever it is it's so easy to just be like oh i don't want to go outside today because it's cold but just because it's cold isn't necessarily an excuse to stay in all the time obviously i'm not talking about going out when it's like 20 below right <laughs> and dress appropriately right Wear the appropriate layers to go outside but i think sometimes we get into this idea that we should just stay in the house when really there's a lot to be seen in nature. And there's a lot to huga about getting out inside nature and enjoying it for what it is, which is why you can enjoy the comfort food because you're still getting some movement in your body, not just becoming a couch potato.
0: I love that. And it's so interesting because I wasn't aware of, I knew it was the art of, of cozying and some different things like that, but really my knowledge of what it actually was, like you said, with those universal things, was pretty limited. And I find it really interesting, especially on the light thing, because living in the Pacific Northwest, we're about, I would say we're probably about an hour and a half from the Canadian border, just for reference on how far north we are. And come the middle part of winter, it can, it's really starting to get dark by four thirty, five, 5.00, but it's not getting light until a lot of times, like 8.00 a.m. So it's a very short window of light. And This is the first year. I've thought about doing it for for a lot of years. I just have never done it, but I pulled the trigger and I started using it two weeks ago and I got one of the sad lights. I don't suffer from that, which is the seasonal affective disorder. But a lot of times when we lack that light in the wintertime, so I like having, you're saying it doesn't have to be the, the glaring fluorescent, which my sad light does have different settings so that I can do that. But it is that very bright light and I'm using it in the morning to help keep my circadian rhythm Is my goal with it, not necessarily for depression, though a lot of people will use it for that. But I didn't realize that it was actually part of this custom. But that makes so much sense because, yeah, it can get really gloomy. And of course, candlelight. Being a homesteader, I love making like beeswax candles. We make a lot of our own candles. And of course, there's always safety with having an open fire and flame and that type of thing. But I do, I don't burn them in the summertime because it's so bright already. But I love getting to light them. And there's something, So I don't want to use the word romantic because that's going to bring the wrong connotation, but you know what I mean? There's something about that soft light. So I love that that's part of it. And I have to say, I don't always like to don my raincoat if it's snowy out. And I go out all the time. I love that. But I do need to make a point of going out even when it's rainy. So I think that that's really interesting that it's both the outdoor and the inner home and they've really made a focus of intertwining them together.
1: I love that. It is true. And I, I, I'm with you. I live in Montana and I'm not that far from the Canadian border either. I don't mind the snow at all. I'm not a huge fan of the rain either. I, I like to run and I'll tell you, I hate to run in the rain, but I make myself do it because I know it's natural and it's just part of life, you know, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. We all have to have it's progress, not perfection, even when it comes to Huga. Do what feels good for you. Don't make it a chore. If you really hate going out in the rain, don't do it. But do try to find a window of opportunity to get outside.
0: I love that. In fact, I'm kind of giggling because right before it was time for us to record this here, we had this, the sunlight came out, and you would have died laughing at me. I was like scrambling because we've had nothing but like 24 7 rain the past week. And I saw the sunlight like peeking through the clouds, and I literally like grabbed my boots and I was out the door. And I'm so glad that I did because now it's pouring down rain again. So I love that you're saying like, just try to find those pockets. But I'm super curious that when you do go running in the rain, do you use like a raincoat or you just wear like, you know, obviously fabric, not like cotton, you wouldn't exercise in that. Anyways, it's just going to make sure that it's not absorbing. What kind of gear do you use?
1: I do just, I run in, I just buy good running gear that will repel the rain, but it's still not as good as a raincoat, but it works well enough. And I, I don't do like super long runs in the rain. And I certainly don't run when it's rainy and cold, you know, but if it's warm and raining, I'll go. Okay. And I'll run as long as the roads aren't icy. But once the roads are icy, I, I treadmill it because I don't want to fall. Oh, we yeah. Were- no, no, I totally
0: understand that, but I'm like, okay, I need to get like, I've lived here my entire life where it's rainy. So I'm like, I just need to get over and embrace it a little bit more. But I don't know about you, but I've noticed this. And I would say this is probably true of even when it's cold out. Because a lot of times I build up in my head, like looking out the window, like, oh man, it's so nasty out, but I got to go out and feed the chickens. I got to go, you know, do those farm tours with the livestock. And usually once I'm actually out there, Mm -hmm. it's not that bad. And then I'm excited to come back in because of course the house is warm and
1: it's true for anything, right? Like at the hardest part, no matter how experienced you are in anything, the hardest part is always getting started. And once you get started, you're usually glad that you did, right? And that I think that's true for anything, whether it's homesteading, simple living, running, exercise, anything. Once you get started, it's fine. But even when you're well-practiced at something, sometimes just putting on the running shoes or just putting on the rain jacket to feed the chickens, just getting started is the motivation that we need to keep going. And the nice thing about Huga is that if you do go out in the rain or whatever, it's totally appropriate to come back and drink a cup of hot cocoa. <laughs> oh, amen. <laughs> Completely appropriate. It's actually part of it. Go outside and come back and eat well and drink well.
0: I love that. So we've covered the light. right? And then the good comfort food, which we can circle back around because I feel like Our lives, I don't know about you, but my life totally revolves around food. Now, not like in a weird way, but let's be honest, we all have to eat every day. (laughs) And I want to make sure that I'm eating stuff that is good for my body and also tastes amazing because I'm kind of like a kid. Like, even if I know it's good for me, if I don't think it tastes very good, I'm not going to eat it very often.
1: (laughs) Right. No, I'm the same way. I mean, I'm very healthy and I like to eat good, healthy food, but there are days where you just don't want the salad or you just don't want, you know, you'd rather have a cookie. And I think it's all about balance and I think that's okay and good to absolutely bake cookies when it's cold outside, but we might not want to do that every day. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I completely agree. And I know like this time of year, it's funny because during the
0: summer and especially late summer and the early part of fall, if you're any type of gardener, that is your busiest time. I feel like in the garden, even more so than planting time because it's the harvest, And it's putting things to rest, or I don't know. I just feel like it's the most craziest time here. And it's also hot, so I don't really want to do a lot of baking. But man, once that cooler weather and kind of the madness of the harvest rushes over, I find that's when I really turn back just naturally with the season to baking. Like the sourdough starter comes out of the fridge and is getting revived on the counter, and I'm pulling out all those recipes that I don't normally make during the other months. And so, is there another, is there any like special, dishes per se other than we you know we kind of mentioned the soups and the breads but is there any other like kind of universal foods that are served more traditionally during
1: this season the danish obviously eat a lot of butter amen (laughs) i like (laughs) them but i think again it's really going to depend on your family and your family traditions and i think if it's if you've one of those families maybe where Grandma did a certain thing always. Maybe try to revive that tradition, even if you've gotten away from it for some reason. You know, uh, For me, it is uh, bread baking a lot because my grandmother always baked bread and made egg noodles in the winter. We didn't; re- She didn't really do it other times of the year, but she always did it in the winter. So I, those are things I tend to do a little more often as well. Plus, again, when it's hot, I don't want to turn the oven on, right? So when it's cool, the oven is a great thing because you're going to warm up the house. And it's a great time to like slow down and really cook all those foods that take a long time, you know, the things that are time consuming, but not necessarily difficult, right? Like, you know, I mean, sometimes making egg noodles is something that's time consuming, but not difficult. Or, you know, the cooking a roast takes a long time. It takes many hours to cook a really good one, but it's not really difficult or really even hands-on time. It's just a matter of letting it cook. So this is a great time to do those things while you're kind of getting cozy at home, practicing, you know, hobbies, if you like to knit or sew, or playing games with your family, or even just curling up by the fire if you have one and reading a book. Now, obviously, I'm talking a lot about the North because I live in the North where it's snowy. But if you live, you know, in the deep South, maybe you're, maybe you still don't build a fire in December, right? So you have to find what works for your particular climate as well it's probably nicer to get outside if you're in the deep South in the winter than summer.
0: Right. Definitely. But you can still mimic it, you know, with a, with a candle or, right. you know, so that you kind of have that flame. I, and I think that's why I love candles so much. And especially, and we do have a wood stove, So we have, and it's got the glass front so you can actually see the flames and it provides yeah. a little bit of light actually when it's going. Uh, but there's something I I think inside of us, like a campfire, there's something very soothing about having those flames and the crackle and just that light and the glow that's one of my favorite parts of camping actually is the fire Mm -hmm. and the candle totally well it's not as big obviously but we'll can mimic and kind of give you that feeling so i think that's a great tip for the more southern southern parts and then you can
1: always come visit us up north you guys and then you, you can have a real fire Every time someone from the South tells us how much they love snow, my husband's like, invite them to come shovel. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I completely agree. And I love
0: talking about some of the hands-on crafting because I very, in fact, I've got a quilt that I started when I was eight years old. So my grandma lived up the road from us and she actually had hooks in her living room ceiling, or it was her in her cabin. And she would put the quilting frame up and then she would quilt in the winter months on that. And so of course at eight, I wanted to do my own quilt. So my grandma and my mom very patiently started teaching me how to sew. And and so by hand, I was quilting my quilt top. So as you can imagine as an eight-year-old, my fascination and patience with it ran out way before the quilt top was ever done. And so kind of every year, I would pick it up in the winter time and work on it a little bit and then put it back. And so here I am. I'm going to tell you all my age (laughs) at 38 and the quilt top is done, but I still have not quilted that thing from that many years ago. So I bought the fabric. So I no longer have an excuse. of not having the material to back it and to put the edging and all of that on. And that's my goal for this winter is to get that quilt finally finished all of these decades later. And then I'm going to gift it to my daughter for her to use on her bed. So I love... And Yeah, I was just going to say, so I naturally have been following that, that it's in those winter months that I like to draw those things out. Quilting, definitely knitting, probably crocheting. Do the Danish have any other like home craft skills? I know a lot of it is pretty universal, obviously, but I'm just curious if they have any other ones that is really popular during this time for them.
1: I think knitting knitting in and of itself is huge as well as probably spinning. So, but again, I think make it your own, do whatever craft works for you. I mean, if, if you like to throw pots, throw pots, you know what I mean? If you like to do rug hooking, I think it really has to be what makes your heart sing as cliche as that is whatever makes you happy. That's the idea behind it. The idea is sort of cursing the season is just to really embrace it and be happy and cozy, you know? Stay in your pajamas all day and knit all day or quilt all day if that makes you happy. You know, obviously, we all have to work. We have chores and things we have to do. But occasionally, it's okay to stay in your pajamas all day.
0: I love it when we have a weekend. And I feel like this is so appropriate for us to be talking about because sometimes, right, we've got our our jobs. And so those are usually non-negotiable. You're doing all of that stuff. And then even the weekends, especially around holiday time, but even non-holiday times, I feel like our weekends and our evenings can fill up really fast. And part of that for me is my season. I've got both my kids are in school. I've got one in sports and then there's all the homestead stuff. And so I feel like very rarely do we actually have that cozy time. So my goal is to be very intentional this winter and use these and actually schedule. I know this sounds so uncozy and simple living, but to actually schedule in some days on the weekend where we don't have anywhere to go or anything to do and just to be at home and have those really relaxing, cozy days like you're talking about. And I
1: think for Americans, especially, I'm going to say we have a tendency to run, run, run all the time. And I think it's a really good intentional habit actually to schedule those things, especially when you're getting started. I, I tell people kind of in, in my you know, community all the time, it, sometimes the basis of intentional living is a really good schedule. <laughs> and that doesn't necessarily mean a rigid schedule, but it is really, I'm going to plan what I want to do. And I'm also going to plan for self-care and I'm going to plan for days at home and I'm going to plan for good food so that everything else doesn't invade. And obviously when you have children doing sports and all that kind of thing, that has to come first, but you have to you know, schedule around it so that you do have a day where you can just stay at home or that you can have friends over and have hot chocolate or play games all night. Yeah,
0: I like it. I love that the focus too is on family, obviously family, but also friends. Right. Because I feel like when we are in that crazy space of life, That it's the it's for me personally, it's the friendships that suffer because, you know, I'm around my family, especially immediate family. You know, we're there and even I'm blessed enough that my extended family all lives pretty close. And so we see each other and get together. But a lot of times I'm not really cultivating those friendships. We're not meeting, you know, just not doing all that stuff. And so I like I love that idea of just having them over just even if it's for coffee or just something small. I think that's a really good practice to not forget and to reconnect with them.
1: Exactly. And it doesn't have to be like a full blown dinner party. In fact, skip that. Just, I mean, unless that's really your thing, if that's really your thing, go for it. It's definitely not my thing. I'm much more casual than that, but definitely, you know, just have people over for soup or just some hot cocoa in a game or a cup of tea and just have them over sometimes here in Montana because it does get so snowy. Sometimes it's like, it starts to snow right around Halloween usually and then it doesn't let up till sometimes May, depending on the year. And sometimes I feel like I don't even see my neighbors <laughs> because we all just hole up. And so you do have to make a conscious effort to just kind of reach out and maybe it is bake the cookies and take them to your neighbor and just say, hey, I made some. We definitely don't need to eat them all. Let me share some with you. That kind. Of thing. I love that. And
0: I feel like all of these are definitely homesteading things and simple life living things. But oftentimes, like, like we said, we just get so busy. That this is a great time to just intentionally bring these tasks back in and schedule them in to make sure that we're actually living that part of the life and experiencing them. So I love that. Now, back to the food. I can't help it, guys. I'm hungry as we're recording this. So I I keep
1: coming back to the food. I can talk food all the time.
0: Oh, good. Good. I love food. But is there any, um, like, because I naturally go to baking. Like I cook dinner because we obviously need to eat, but my heart, I'm a baker at heart. Like I love to bake. I feel like it's kind of my love language. So are there any like really awesome Danish baking that we need to know about or do you have any favorites that you do?
1: I know you're half Italian, so I know that to right. come yeah, out. Yeah, but... so you know, I tend to eat the foods that, you know, my grandmothers ate. So I'm Serbian on one side and Italian on the other, and so because I do homestead, we eat a lot of like cabbage and noodles. So that's called halushki. and that's cabbage and noodles. So eat, I think eat the comfort foods. I'm sure if you're Danish, then you were going to probably eat their specific foods. And I don't really know exactly what those foods would be because they do vary and it varies based on region. So eat whatever is most comfortable to you. And, you know, I, like I said, we eat halushki a lot, which is cabbage with egg noodles or dumplings and butter. Ooh,
0: that sounds really good. And I have cabbage and I've got a lot of eggs right now. It's really good.
1: It's just all kind of fried up together. And it's just delicious. And that's like the best comfort food in the whole world to me. So and that's just something you know that you cook on the stove. But there's nothing wrong with a good casserole either. Obviously, I personally lean towards whole food casseroles. Obviously, I'm not I don't use like the cream canned cream of mushroom soup kind of things. But there are a lot of casseroles that we can make from scratch at home that will provide a lot of really good comforting food. You know, any kind of like Tex-Mex kind of thing so that you have the spices and get a little warm. That's probably not very Danish and definitely very American. But that, that idea of adding some spice to get some extra heat in the body is a great way to just close up and eat good, healthy food that's also comforting.
0: Yeah. And actually, I don't use condensed cans. I haven't purchased a condensed can of anything in, oh gosh, over 10 years. And you're right. You can make whole food casseroles really easy. And if anybody who's listening, and you're like, well, I'd really love a specific recipe because I do use those and I'd love to be able to, you know, get them out and not have to buy that anymore. um, I have got the recipe for that. And the awesome thing is, is you can use your bone broth if you need to be dairy free or you want to get even more nutrition in there. Um, and still have a lot of flavor. Obviously, you can use dairy. There's a lot of variations. You can make it gluten free and adapt those. And you can whip it up in less than four minutes. So faster than you go to the store, you can make a replacement. And it bakes up great. It also works amazing. I use it in my Instapot. I use it in the slow cooker. Um, and all of that. So it, it transfers however you want to cook those really well and easy. And then I also have where I use that, and it's a chicken and broccoli. And I have two variations, one with just buttermilk biscuits, because my family all hails from North Carolina and Appalachians, where biscuits and cornbread are definitely our staples, way more than like regular bread. I don't actually remember my grandmother baking bread. It was always biscuits or cornbread. And so I've got a recipe that uses that as the topping. And then if you do need to be gluten-free, I've got an optional variation that's a keto low carb version that you can pop on that. And I'll make sure in the show notes that I'll get some links from Kathy for some of her favorite recipes and put them in there and I'll pop some of mine in there too. So if you're like me, I, I love to get actual recipes from people <laughs> and so that I can try them out and introduce them. And so I do have one question really quick for you on the cabbage and the butter and the noodles. So yeah, yeah. this is going to sound probably quite silly of me, but I'm assuming you cook the noodles first, you know, boil them and then you add them in as you're frying up
1: the cabbage, right? Yes, that's exactly right.
0: Yep. And uh,
1: and a healthy amount of butter.
0: (laughs) Oh, amen. We're not afraid of butter here. In fact, I go to Costco and I load up on the butter and it freezes very well because when weather, speaking of cozying up, I, one, don't want to be running to town all the time and our Costco's over an hour away from us. And so I stock up and just put it in the freezer and then just pull it out as I need it. And it's a great way to have a whole bunch on hand without taking over, you know, and one whole shelf in
1: your refrigerator. <laughs> I, I, I do it too. I freeze the butter because it's just always oh, here. Plus, I never, it's one of those things like you never want to run out of and that's butter. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. now, yeah, Never, ever want to run out of butter. And towards as we move into the
0: time of this recording, as we move into November and December, I do make homemade croissants and you need a decent amount of butter to make those. So yeah, I always have to make sure we've got butter on hand. It just, yeah, we use it every day. Just the best, you
1: know, and then winter is a great time for things like lentil soup and all that kind of good stuff. So that even if you are, if you happen to be a vegetarian or you're vegan or you can't have dairy because you have a sensitivity, there's plenty of food that you can eat without it. Like lentil soup I think is one of the most comforting things and it's so easy to make, not to mention frugal. So
0: it's very frugal. Another one my mom used to make a lot and actually both my kids enjoy, which I now I need to pull this out of my into my menu plan for practicing all of this is split pea soup with ham or bacon, whatever, whatever meat. But that one, you know, you take just a little bit of meat to flavor it up, just a small amount. And split right. peas are pretty inexpensive too. So that's another one of our favorites.
1: Right. My grandmother always had, did your grandmother do this too? Probably she always made split pea. She always threw a ham bone in there.
0: Yes. Yeah. And actually my grandma did a lot of, we would just do, we would call them soup beans and you would put like a ham bone in there. And it wasn't split peas obviously, but it was beans that we had grown and seed saved ourselves. But it was, it, we call it an October bean. Oh, That's yeah. what we happen to use. It's similar, a lot larger than a pinto bean actually, but kind of similar as far as flavor and what people would have an easy reference to. And so that's what she would do a lot was throw a ham bone in with those beans and just let it simmer on the back of the wood stove like all day long. And then oh, it smells so good. Great. Right. So great. Yum. Yeah. Okay. I'm definitely ready for lunch now. <laughs> and I think we just menu planned my, all of my cooking for the next week. So
1: that was a, a bonus and score as well. Great. Thank you so much. That was so fun. I love all the food talk to And I do just love talking to and, and hopefully encouraging people to just try and embrace it and make it their own.
0: Yeah. So are there any, I know we covered quite a few of them, but is there any last tip that you have on practicing it or anything like that, that you want to share?
1: I think mostly just get started in some small way and just really see how I think beneficial it'll be to your mental health and that of your families. If you just try, and again, remember it's not about perfection. It's not about having all the lamps in the right places and all the right candles and all or whatever. Just get practice started practicing in whatever way works for you, and just allow it to work itself out because it will. Okay, I love it. Thank you so much for coming on
0: and talking about this topic with me. I really, and all of us, like I'm really enjoying it, and I feel like it's is such a needed thing to practice, especially in our more modern, hectic lives. So, where can people find out more about you or reach out to you and learn more about Homespun Seasonal Living?
1: So, that is my website, homespunseasonalliving.com. And my email is just Kathy, K A T H I E, at homespunseasonalliving.com. And I'm always love to talk to people. And you, if you go to the blog, you can follow me on Facebook or Instagram, where I love to. Instagram happens to be the one social media that I love to waste time on (laughs) I I love to look and see what other people are doing and kind of post and I definitely post a lot of my own kind of coziness and it's not ever picture perfect but it's real and I I hope encouraging and sometimes I definitely show the fallen cake or whatever so it's a lot of fun and that's the best way probably to see how I'm actually living Huga on a daily basis Instagram but if you want specific tips or recipes then the homespunseasonalliving.com is where to go
0: Okay, awesome. Well, and I love when we post the real stuff because then it makes me feel a lot better that, you know, my house isn't the picture perfect farmhouse. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I I love the realness and the authenticity. So that'll be great. And I always, I'm like you, I love getting inspiration and seeing what other people are doing and then figuring out a way to make it work for me or to implement the certain parts in my own life. So thank you for sharing those so that we can all do that uh, ourselves.
1: Great. Great. Thank you so much.
0: I hope that you enjoyed today's episode and that you take some of these practices. Now, whenever I talk about the sad light, I always have questions on which one did I order or maybe what exactly it is. So for all of the things that Kathy and I talked about in today's episode, you can find links um, to some of the recipes and some of the different things, including the light at melissaknorris.com forward slash two 112. And so that's just the number 212 because this is episode number 212. And you'll find links to all of those different resources and further information if you want to check them out. And quick note, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, please do hit that subscribe button on whatever app you happen to be listening to this on so that you get every episode delivered straight to you as soon as it comes out so you don't miss anything. Thank you so much for joining me and I can't wait to be back here with you next week. So bye for now.